Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. How was your week? Week's been good. As well, It's been a great week, really, for, for anyone that, that has children or a family and those sort of connections. Um, little Cleo during the week was incredible to see after being well, taken for two weeks... And finally, um, she was reacquainted with with her family and mum. Like it was just incredible. Mm. But how heartwarming! As a father, like it was, it's sickening when you see those things on on TV and reported on the news, and you then put yourself in that position. How good? Yeah, I as a father, you look at it different now. I don't, I'd like to it'd be different to how I would have seen it a few years ago. But now, actually, being a father, like it's like. You just we, we all love camping in the great outdoors, and we talk about it every week on the show part about going getting away with the family camping and and how great it is. Yeah, how like, great it is. And these guys did exactly that. They went camping, which everyone loves, and certainly we're assuming if you're, you're tuning into the show, it's what it's all about. And and this happens. Mm. So and it was so interesting listening to the police talk on the subject and how it never, very very rarely ever ends in a positive light and for it to end this way just wonderful wonderful to see did you know the investigator was the actually was uh the head investigator at, he, he cracked the claremont killer also from perth wa really yeah no, so he was actually the head of that too so he's in he cracked the actual code there so you think like this sort of stuff doesn't happen in australia you see it on well, tv it you see it on, <laughs> on netflix but it's quite extraordinary. Well, I'm sure there'll be, there's yeah. going to be plenty of shows to come off the back of this. At least there's a positive end to it now. So, uh, anyway, great story. And uh, <laughs> we could talk- get back into camping because it's safe. It's safe to do so. Let's talk a little bit of four-wheel drive news. Yep. Apparently, and I've made a few calls on this subject because I've got a few uh, Ford cronies that I know, and they were all absolutely flat-batted this and no comment, etc., etc. Uh, but apparently Ford have brought in an F-150 to Australia uh, as the pickup war seems like it's going to heat up, Redmond. Now, I know you I hope they bloody do because you're a Ford ambassador and you need something to pull this <laughs> bloody boat because I'm sick of using my car. <laughs> and you're a massive fan of, of uh, the Dodge Ram. We've seen Chevrolet in Australia. So they're the two main players at the moment. Yep. Why this is important for the Australian market, it's pretty simple. The more players that we have, the price, the price yeah, comes I'm down. I'm hoping you said that exactly. So, because I can't afford a Ram at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, and with like, you know, we've spoken plenty about the new 300 series Land Cruiser. If you look at secondhand Land Cruisers at the moment, it is the most astronomical used car market I've ever seen. Mm. Like, 
there's car like plenty of cars in the two hundred grand range. And that's these are not even brand new cars. So it's a great time to sell cars at the moment, but the problem is. is you still need to buy one. Exactly. And the prices are ridiculous either way. So you're selling what do you, high what and do you buying do? high. What do you do? Like I can probably sell my Amarok now for nearly more than I paid for it twelve months ago, whatever it was. And but then I've got to go buy something, it's gonna be overpriced. But one good thing that I've noticed, even with this as I look at the article that you've sent me. Things with these trucks now, we'll call them trucks, your Rams and your... Well, they are, they're pretty they're, bloody big. They're, they're trucks. They're not trucks, though, inside. They're, no, they're, they're a car now. They're a yep. car. So you're not... Which wasn't always the case. That's right. right. 15 years ago, when Ford last ceased um, selling 150s, 250s, etc., yep. they really weren't beautiful to drive. And it was hard to get past the missus back in the day because it was that truck. It's a bit like that boat. Like, you go down to the boat show and miss, oh, that's a nice boat. Like they, That's just how it has happened over the years. And yep. and I know that we're... Now, lot, they're, we're, now they're, be- like they're, they're as much a luxury cruiser 100%. as they are a hardcore fishing And that's vessel. your North Bank. Like, it's a beautiful-looking boat. Like, it's a 750. Yep. It's a big, beautiful-looking boat. Being- Mine's probably more the... Fishing side of it because it's a little bit on the smaller side, but those that even that six fifty with the hard top, they're just a luxury looking boats now. And the same as with these trucks. And I was looking at Andrew from the Melbourne Marine Centre. He's ram when we did that test run with your boat a few weeks ago. And you look, you you jump in and you drive it, and it's like driving a car, even though it's they're massive, they're hard to work around because they're big at times. Because let's just, let's be honest. Car parks anywhere you go in this country is not made for a normal size ute these days, let alone a Ram or a <laughs> F-150 or whatever it is. So it is a pain in the backside with that. And that comes down to another question I've got for you. If you were to say buy this Ford 150 in the, when it comes reaches Australia... Well, we hope, we, hope, we hope it reaches Australia. Or if you were to buy, say, a Ram or a Chevy, whatever it is, would you personally, if you could afford it, I know money is a thing... Would you just keep it as a tow vehicle specifically? And I know that the likes of I've got I won't mention names, but this there's people there's people that I know that do this religiously. They have their specific tow vehicle for their boats and cars. And money is a factor, I understand that. But they're too they're nearly too and this is why I'm being hesitant with the RAM. They're ne- they're too big to get around with at times. Yeah, and it's a great point. And I suppose that's why it's important that that the interiors and their drivability has improved over the years because you just can't justify spending, you know, up around that $100,000 yeah. for a car that is just there to tow a boat. Yep. The, the beauty of what we're working through at the moment is is having the 750 stored at, at Queenscliff in the dry storage there. So you call them up. It's, been, they, a, it's been a mission and a half. We won't, we won't go into that, will we, Patrick? <laughs> well, that's your job. <laughs> but, but you're right. It, to, to justify it, but the problem is, the other problem is, if you're going to try and buy a second-hand F-150 at the moment, or 250, you're paying 40 grand for a second-hand car. When does it settle down? Well, I can't see. It's like the house market. It ha- and I've got a few close contacts in the real estate game. They're telling me that it has to settle. And even talking to yourself, like I'm trying to buy a new place, and it has to, is it going to settle, or is it going to come down, or what's going to happen? What I've been told, and there's, there's clearly, we've got... Let's be honest. We're two nuffies here talking about... <laughs> we love talking about fishing the great outdoors. We're a little out of our depth when we're talking about uh, the Australian economy and house prices. But they've said two to three years before we start yeah. to see a change from the banks. Well, with, interest with rates are already rates. Yeah, changing. That's, so yeah, that's scary. Why, you know, that's why people obviously buy these big cars. And Is it... Can you justify spending 100? Well, clearly plenty of people do. What's important is that they're driver-friendly and you can actually drive them... Well, that's something other than, you know, just launching the boat. Well, I know my partner when she, Kari, and she's not 
official woman as such. She doesn't get out there. She likes coming out here and there. But if I throw that ramp in front of her, she's probably going to be a bit hesitant. Like, she's got her car, but I know she's going to be probably hesitant. I know there's a lot of females out there that would be 100% happy in doing that. There's also a lot that won't. So it's that family-based car as well that you need to have that in between. Would I keep the Amarok or would I... Dip, get, try and get that 40, 50 grand back on that Amarok to put towards that next car. But you have to. It, you You're, can't justify having it sit there. You can't, yeah. So you can't, that's the, you're making the call. I just don't think you can. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot of money to have sit there do nothing. And you gotta, you gotta drive the Ram around anyway. It sounds good. <laughs> let's get, uh, let's get to your week in fishing, Redmond. Um, yeah, so this is snapper focus. Yep. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a, um, a delve around the country in just a moment. But the snapper at the moment are really starting to, to heat up right through Western Port, Port Phillip Bay, and through southern oh, sure. Victoria, really. How are you targeting it? Yeah, like you said, southern Victoria, Port Welsh Pools had some great fish as well. So it's really starting to heat up. So we're going to go into a little bit of detail here, like you said. And I the reason we do this is because the Melbourne Cup's just gone. Had a good win on the punt too, just saying, last weekend. But, uh, oh, last week, during the week, it... It's that traditional, is it grand final day where snapper season opens or is it November Melbourne Cup when it opens? And we said that would open, the sh- when, when we think it's snapper season, I'd, I'd declare it snapper season. Well, you and did that a month ago. No, I, we didn't. We didn't. I said it'll be, ne- it'll be nearly mid-November and we're nearly there. Snapper season's here, I'm calling it. The water temps. It's still a you, bit cold. It is a bit cold. But they've got to eat. And they're there. And they're there. They are there. And I, I, I did some sounding during the week and all those areas that I fish and there's so many fish I'm marking up through the bay. Getting them to choose another thing, but some people are getting good captures. Yep. Some. It's not the charter boats going out, bagging out their clients of eight, eight on a boat twice or three times a day yet. No, all the charter boat um, reports we've seen, they haven't been massive fish. They've been sort of... Yeah, that, that two, three kilo Yeah, stuff. 40 to 50 yep. centimetres. And that's because a lot of them are fishing that shallower reefs, for example, uh, Black Rock, you're at your um, uh, Ricketts Point and the likes, where a lot of pinkies, and they, they smash the reefs there, the pinkies, and the fishermen go in there and target, because the water's warmer in those shallow waters. Yeah. So we're going to start to push out now, and the pinkies will... They will still be on the reefs, the pinky. The, sorry, on the, in the deeper water, away from the reefs. But you'll start to get your big schools of fish that are about to feed hard. That water temperature, and I know I've got it in my phone, it's the 22nd of November, uh, 18.9 was my surface temperature. And that's when I started having my best snapper catches last year. During the week, I was well under 16 still. So it's still that two so degrees. about three weeks. Well, away, that so. week we've just had with warm weather, and we're still not we're not getting those cold days now. So we've got that – like, we're not getting the 13s or the yeah. 14s. You're sitting around that 18, minimum 18 now, seven, the odd 17, yep. but a lot of 20s. And that's enough to get that water temperature up. So we're going to see it really start to heat up now. So I'm opening snapper season. And how you're going to target them is you just need to – you need to – so we're going to go into Port uh, Port Phillip. And what about we get Gwain on next week and he'll cover a fair bit into Western Port. Um, but I'm, I'll go with Western Port a little bit. The snapper fishing up in the mud, the mud heats up quite quick there with the low tides and, it, and the temperature uh, is gets quicker, hotter. The water temp gets quicker, much hotter. So Western Port's had a very good run of fish the past couple of weeks and it's good now, real good, better than Port Phillip. How you got to fish them because you're in tight? It's not like Port Phillip or offshore or Port Welshpool. Well, Port Welshwell can be tidal, is tidal as well, but there's areas where there's not. How you're going to fish it is, you're going to run easy rig sliders. So it's a gummy shark rig as we technically know it, and it's a Western Port rig. And what it is, is you always have braid in tide there in Western Port. Tide, braid, because you've got a direct contact. It comes down to then a, uh, a, a shock leader of about, say, six foot of 40 pound. Then it has a sinker slider. So that runs up that mono. 
then a swivel which stops it from going any further, and then you've got your leader at the back. Now you need to run some. You need to. You need to run some uh, squid rings uh, or chunk baits. You're not going to be able to run your pillies and your silver whiting because they'll spin in the tide. So it'll literally spin in the tide. So you need to make sure that your baits are sitting perfectly in the current in Western Port and you're going to catch fish. Where in Port Phillip, we're away from sinkers. We're getting as light as we can. Traditionally, you do not want to use sinkers at all. If you can go as unweighted as possible, you go unweighted as possible. So basically, so you might just have a small... Tiny pea sinker. Yep. Literally the most tiny pea sinker you can get. So I'm pretty much going unweighted pretty much the whole way, especially under 15 metres. Up to those 20 metres where we're going to start fishing in a few more weeks, that'll be when the water gets warmer, that'll be where you, you've got to get your little pea sinkers on to get them down. We're using pillies, silver whiting, and once again, squid rings. You can use whatever bait you like, but that's my three go-to baits is pillies, Silver whiting and squid. They're the ones I rock come out with. If you can get a fresh salmon, put some salmon out. If you can get anything anything that you can think of, whether it's a, a slimy mackerel. Ras. A ras, yeah, ras, fish like ras. They're a bit harder to get the ras in the bay as such. We don't catch a lot of ras in uh, up the bay of Port Phillip as much. But one thing this snapper season, I have seen more fish over the 10 kilo mark this snapper season already than what was the whole snapper season last year. So that there are some Big fish. A salt guide yeah. member the other day, one of Gwaine's marks, 101 centimetres it went in Western Port. Oh, that's a 12 kilo fish. That's, a big, that's fish. a big bloody fish. And I've seen multiple, multiple 9.6, 9.8s, 10s, like already in Port Phillip at the top end. And it's incredible to see such big fish in the numbers already. Uh, you can have the argument, do you release such a big fish because it's so big? Or do you, or it has it had its life cycle, and you're better off releasing a smaller fish because that's actually done its thing. It's not for it's aged, aged, blah blah blah. Yep. So it's two ways you can look at it. There's no right or wrong. Do whatever pleases you, but just make sure this season take you take what you need because when the snapper are on pat, they're on generally. Yeah. And you, you only you, I don't eat snapper very minimally. I give it all away. I load you boys up here at the cattery and your family and just whoever I can give it to. I'm happy to keep stuff if I have requests. But release, but when you go into those deeper water, they don't traditionally release well, so they yeah. say. So it's up to you on how deep you want to release them. But just be, just let, let's just look after what we have because we don't want to end up like South Oz. Fishing offshore for snapper, yep. clearly one of the things that is is real key. For you. Red hot at the moment. Once you've found that that reefy ground, you'll actually spend five ten minutes sounding up around it to try and find the schools that are not sitting right on on the reef because you'll get your smaller pinkies, you'll get wrasse, all the other species that you're not necessarily targeting. Yep. So you'll spend time to locate the schools externally and then you'll anchor up once you've found them. It's a key point if you don't want to spend your time catching 20-centimetre you know, pinkies. So good friends of the show, Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters and uh, Zach Cross from Cross Country Fishing Charters. Uh, we've had them on a few times each and... They, they, they're, they're your charter fishermen. So what they do is they go out off Barwon Head Stay and the foul ground in the ocean, and they're dropping down with four, say, four up to eight-ounce sinkers, drifting from anywhere from 35 metres up to 50, 60 metres at times, chasing snapper. Now, what you'll notice with their captures, a lot of their fish are probably that two, one to two to three kilo, which punters, are, it's a great, it's, it's, it's what a day is on a charter. That's what you want to do. Uh, 
they do get the odd bigger fish. So I know Zach and Chris both got some beautiful five plus kilo did, fish during yeah. the week. They got and the numbers are going to get better and better in the ocean. But they're drifting, so they're covering the ground and actually drifting the foul ground away from the reef. And they're coming across the snapper. They'll hit mark. They'll go back up and get their drift patterns right. Where I fish a little bit different than the charter side of things. You can fish that way. If, and I had a few friends that fished that way during well, the week. you're balancing fishing with 10 people in the boat. That's right. 100% right. They can allow their boat to be on the side so they can actually get whatever clients on the side of their boat. to Rather than – you can't all fish out of the back on anchor because you only fish four across the back. Sides, they can fish eight because their boats are so big as well. But also, they've got activity going. They're catching – it's actually the sort of fishing you like. You, you've got fish, you're striking. Where How I like to fish and a lot of people targeting those bigger fish in the ocean, we tend to do what you said before – I find that heavier reef that you spoke about, I mark it up and then I push away from it, away until I mark up some fish in that area. Then I anchor. I can be 100 metres away from that reef, but I'm fishing generally that 20 to 30. I'm quite shallower than those boys and that's, I find the bigger fish. If I, and you're putting effort into burly up. Burly in that heart and also I probably catch less fish than them as well. So they'll get 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 snapper at times. But you're getting the bigger But I'm getting generally the bigger fish and it's just a different way of, of I guess, fishing and the different reward. I'm getting the reward that, I guess, me and a mate want to chase those bigger fish where as a charter operator, they're pleasing all their clients. Yep. They're all getting five to eight snapper a day from two to six kilo, but a lot of that smaller side of things. So that's a two different ways to attack the ocean with your drifting methods as well as your anchoring methods. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way after the break. Uh, we'll catch up on what's biting right around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out in what's well, what's biting right around the country, Redmond. We've got a big show today, Patrick. So it's just a, just a nice steady quip, uh, whip around, we should say. Tasmania, big squid on the offshore reefs now. Uh, they've come in, they'll be dropping eggs and doing their thing like they do in Western Port, Port Phillip and the likes. Uh, how are we going to target them in those slightly deeper waters? I like to run Patnoster rigs. You can run extended or normal. Extended means that you have your, your squid jig actually down the bottom as such. Uh, so like a whiting rig, yep. a long leader. Or you can run the just the normal Patnoster where your sink is on the bottom and you can have your squid jig off the loop. And I, I like to cut the loop open and have the squid jig hanging. So that works in all different techniques right around your offshore region around the whole country. But at the moment, Tassie's fishing red hot for that. Are you lightening off the leader because it doesn't matter as much to get the, the, the drift and the sink rate of the squid jig easier? Uh, to be honest with you, with the leader size... In the ocean, I reckon you're nearly going to have to go up purely because of the bycatch, cooter, and everything like that. So you don't want to be running your 10-pound leader, Pat, and then you get one touch from a cooter and you lose that $25 squid jig. And it's one thing we talk about on the show is actually using a good squid jig. And that's the thing. It does make a difference and works better at depths, especially if you're in, say, 30 metres. So I would, the squid aren't going to be as fussy with the fall rate and whatnot because they're down 30 metres. They'll tend to be probably more aggressive and if they are on eggs. So what I'd be doing is I'd be running that minimum 20, up to even nearly 40, yeah, right. just because you're running four or five-ounce sinkers. So like, you definitely want to... Not lose that jig if it gets snagged as well, because that's where they live, on the reefs, and you will get snagged. Uh, Lake, uh, Lake Leak in Tasmania as well. Some really good trout on Tassie Devils, Pat. We all love our Tassie Devils. I'm actually due to get them out in, uh, onto some trout. I think you and I are going trout fishing soon at some point. Yeah, this week. Uh, WA, 
big King George Whiting off Freo. Some really big King George Whiting. It's not something that we talk about enough in WA. Uh, in WA is the Whiting fishery. Because there's it, so many other fish species. Oh, it's to just focus stupid on. over there, let's be honest. But it's uh, the Whiting fishing is red hot, and this is the time of the year we want to do it. But one thing I wanted to talk about, it's not more of a report, it's more of a get ready sort of thing. Uh, Wreck Fish West posted during the week that some, the experts have basically stated that the white cray uh, migration, we like to say, is three weeks away. So they're estimating roughly three weeks. So at the, I read this during the, the week, so it's it's probably just shy of three weeks away. So it's uh, looking looking like it's going to be one of the best seasons. The bumper seasons was the word they used. And the, the, I don't know if you knew this, but there's certain licenses in WA for certain types of fishing that you've actually got to do. But Commercially? Uh, well, yeah, recreational, commercial. Well, in, there's actually 50,000 licensed crayfishers. So there's actually a specific recreational license as well as commercial. Didn't but there's 50,000 licensed crayfishers that are buzzing with this news to target these white crays this summer. So they're saying it's an abundance of crayfish, which is just um, amazing to see. I'll still say they're not as good as my crays that I get to eat anyway here in, here in, here in Vic. <laughs> South Oz, Dutton Bay, plenty of garfish off the local jetties. Something great to do with the kids, especially in a bit of warm weather if you can get down a nice offshore breeze plenty of garfish make sure you do use your light leader for those they do make the difference the west coast salmon uh, the west coast in south oz as well has some really good salmon on the chew i've seen during the week stick baits so heavy stick baits so like your bungee casts and whatnot have been working really really well a bit better than the metals because they just subsurface a little bit and they hold their structure better in the surf where the, the lasers can get lost in waves as such so yeah. I'd be definitely if, if that's working I'd, I know it's a bit more expensive and they're only salmon some people would say I was about to say that's a, that's a well if it's going to catch a bloody fish I'd do anything put $100 on the hook if you have to that's a $27 lure versus your $3 Kmart special. Just don't lose it. <laughs> New South Wales, I know that you've got a sneaky report to Ooh. throw in here. I'll let you, if you, would you like me to go first? Would you like to throw this one in? Well, I was just, uh, Eli English, um, or underscore Reese as he goes on Instagram, landed a 143-centimetre uh, yellowtail kingfish off rocks yeah, not bad. during the week on 20-pound line. Took him 45 minutes to get in. <laughs> That's a big fish. That's it was, it was a monster. That's a that is one from New Zealand. That one he's lost. Oh. That's a good fish. That's a fantastic fish off the rocks. Even anywhere, it's a good fish. Uh, Sapper fishing in close to the reefs around Monty, uh, in, off Bermagui, is such a rumor. Uh, tide change has been the key. The snapper fishing has been good, but targeting that tide change any time during the day has been the most productive. Some fish up to four kilo. Now this is pretty cool. My home, we like to call it my hometown, but it's not, but it's my favourite place to go, Eden. <laughs> Tuna have actually moved into twofold bay in big numbers. So those bluefin that you and I have been speaking about for probably three to four weeks now, those smaller bluefin moved into twofold, which is, yeah, very accessible on, on a lot of weather. So it's a great, great place for the for them to be. So what size fish are we talking about? Up now? to eight kilo. Yeah, four to eight kilo. The odd bigger one, the odd smaller one. But yep. they're yeah, we'll say just under just under tens. So we'll go we'll go with the magic number of eight. Small lures, they do the damage. And those bungee casts that you and I just spoke about, deadly, deadly on. on these fish. And just the last one, Pat, Marlin. Port hacking, so just above Sydney there. Tell you what, it's very early signs, but there has been some very good numbers early of these marlins. So we need this current to shape up the AC, and we're going to start to have that water move in 
for the Marlin season and oh, they've got no idea what's coming because COVID screwed my Marlin season up last year. I can't wait to put a bill mark down the side of your 750 <laughs> North Bank. Um, the other one, Redman, yeah. during the week, uh, the Clarence River in New South Wales. Yep. So not super high at all. Um, but there was a there was a barramundi at the fish co-op and it was a good-sized barramundi. You got me a bit confused there. Yep. That's not meant to be there. It was 113 centimetres. So what they're saying, it got caught in that river. 17 kilos, caught in the river. It's not the first time that a, that a barra's turned up there. It's drunk. But that's a good-sized fish, and they're starting <laughs> to see them, still spasmodically, in greater numbers, heading you know quite south. Like that's So you're pretty much saying in 2038, we're going to have barramundi in the Barren River here. Well, anyone that says debates <laughs> global warming, this 113-centimetre barra in the Clarence would... Um, so I'm going to go to with what's happened is, is someone's had a barramundi that they've had at home as a pet and they've let it go in the river and it survived. Is that a fair assumption of what's happened? No, they have caught them there before, <laughs> but it's, it's really quite unusual. Like imagine like that to... It was, a, it was a bloody good catch. Anyway, um, that's what's biting right around the country. Let's get to the social club. We take your questions uh, from social media. The first question this week is for you, Redmond, from Steve. Uh, what snapper gear are you running with, Aaron? Can you please talk about your reels, uh, your rods, and also the line that you're using? I'm just reading the article of that barramundi that you've just showed me because you've thrown that in from the side there. And I'd stuff the snapper gear. Let's go barramundi gear. We need bait casters. Well, I, for- <laughs> I forgot in our, in our, in our pre-show rundown to, to put it in there. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, sorry, back to the snapper. So I'll give you a couple of little bit of prices. Uh, pr- sorry, a couple of, I guess, higher-end products, yeah, and, and a, like a lower-end, but still going to catch you the same fish, if that makes sense. So I run uh, 5,000 Stratics. Yep. Between 350 to $400. So Shimano Stratic, yep. it's, it's very much a – it's not a Stella, um, but it's not a Sedona. No. It's the, it's the middle range. 100%. And the reason that I run it is I need – Good gear, that, and when I say good gear, Shimano, I think their cheaper gear is also the top end in cheaper gear, yep. and this is just literally, I buy my gear, this is literally just saying this, yep. uh, I think it's the best gear in the cheaper side of it, but someone like me running, like we'll mention the real, you just said a Sedona, I reckon I'd break one of those in half a season, just purely the hours, and I don't I don't look after my stuff as the average punter does, because when they get in from fishing, a lot of people actually enjoy the process of cleaning the fish, cleaning up, but when you do it every day, you get very lazy at times, and you don't you do it. You definitely so do. I do. So the Sedona won't probably handle someone like myself, but as an average punter, we'll go with the reels, because we may as well go with the reels. Sedona 5000, if you can get something along those lines, you're looking at hundred, just over 100 bucks, where... And it's going to catch you the same fish. Now, I'm a braid person. If you're a braid or a mono, 20-pound mono's great to use, and I'm running 20-pound braid as well. Now, we'll go to the rods. Literally, you can get an ugly stick or a, a Wilson or any fiberglass rod that you can find anywhere from that 6 to 8 kilo is literally what you want. And you can pick them up from the charter guys, 60 Silstar, I think some of them, that a lot of them use, 60 to 120 bucks each. So you got that along with a Sedona, which uh, are around the 130 bucks. You're looking mark. At, I reckon if you went into a tackle store or Anaconda or a BCF, whatever it is, and you offered them, say, 200 bucks, say, for a good rod and reel, 
like something that's going to get you a combo snapper. Set. And last year, I reckon you'll get a good combo. Uh, for your line, like I said before, with your main line, it's that 20 pound give or take, either side of that 20 to 30 pound. And then it comes down to your leader. Now, I was running 30 pound leader during the week. I got off, I got bitten off on a couple of fish. The leader that I had, in all honesty, it was, I think it was $4 from Kmart. It was that blue stuff. I don't recommend using it. It's not good stuff. <laughs> but I forgot I forgot the 40-pound at home because I traditionally run 40-pound. But it also caught me a lot of fish too. Yep. So like I said, I'm trying to get things cheaper for you guys. And that was cheap and it caught fish. But I highly re- recommend something like Jinkai, Black Magic, along the lines. They're a two traditional brand that people tend to go with and around that 40-pound mark. Now, your hooks are probably your, the, the bit that actually connects you to the fish. Uh, Good hooks, good. Don't go on eBay and buy those hundred dollar, yep. hundred hooks, your money ten on bucks, hooks. whatever. Spend your money on hooks. I run the gammas. You know, I've been using them for a long time. Uh, there is Gamma a question coming you. up next about circles or straights. We'll talk about those in a minute. But just run a decent branded hook. There's so many brands. You have got Black Magic. You got Black Magic. You've got literally Shimano do a range. Everyone does their own range of hooks. Just get a quality hook. Don't run the cheap stuff. It's something that I would spend money on. So that there is pretty much your snapper setup. The rods that I'm running are your reactions, and they're upwards towards that $800 market time, 600 to 800 So you don't they, – they, those rods don't catch me any more fish as what those other rods will. But when you fish every day, and you'll felt them, they're so much nicer to hold, they're lighter, they're easier on your arms, and they're also an all-round rod for other species too. So that there is more, more I guess, my snapper gear that I use. Now, matching that with a Shimano Stratic – uh, the 5000XG at around the $449. Yeah, pricey. And depending on what um, and where you buy them, you can price match most of the main yeah. fishing shops will do that now, whether that's Tackle World, BCF, uh, you know, or your Anacondas. So make sure you shop around and, and, and you know, drive yourself a good bargain um, because it's worth, it's, you know, worth getting that gear right. This next question is from Graham, and it says, Patrick, I see you have a Garmin Radar. Do you use it or plan on using it? Now, before you answer this, I'm just going to say one thing. You did try to use it the other week. No, I did use you it. You did use it. And why he, why Patrick, sorry, when Patrick decided to use it was as we were approaching 50,000 dolphins, 44 whales. That's uh, a lot. <laughs> He went to use it. The birds were right in front of me. I could see it. He's trying to fill around with the radar. I'm watching the sound and the GPS. I didn't get into you too hard, but Man, that was when you started to use it. My recollection of this event <laughs> was when we couldn't find anything. I was just pulling your leg. It's all right. And, and we needed to find some birds. And because of the sensitivity you can put on the, the radars, you can find them that way. Now, I'll be honest, in my original 650, we didn't use the, the radar often, did we? If at all. <laughs> if at all. But I feel like with this boat, we will, and you'll fish it um, off Eden, yep. we, as we spoke about before, and you'll chase the, the marlin. It's great if you don't know what you're doing and then you need to find Aaron and you know, <laughs> ping him off with you. It depends on the fishing that you're doing. Yep. See, Bomber, I know up at Bomber Farrell, he, um, he's a pro fisherman for Shimano. Um, Fruit Island. We'll quite often use them to find birds. Everyone uses them differently. We don't really... There's not a huge use inside of Port Phillip Bay, but externally... But travelling though, Pat, travelling of a night and stuff, and there's a lot of night driving in Port Phillip Bay because the prime time to fish snapper this time of the year is very early season... Uh, very early in the morning, sorry, yeah. and very late at night. It's because you, fin- you finish... You f- the best bites on sunset, sunrise, so you've got to get there before and after. And you've got to remember that... I'm not a word of exaggeration. 
There are tens of thousands of boats there is now. on Port Phillip Bay during the weekend, Melbourne Cup. How's the weather we just had at Melbourne Cup weekend? It was amazing. There was literally more boats on the water than I have ever seen. And I'm not exaggerating when I say tens of thousands. Like, I don't actually think they need a bridge from Melbourne to Geelong. You could literally walk across boats. So, yes, is that does that does is it a safety thing for you as well? Would you use it there? Well, yeah, I think so. But they're, they're a lot more cost-effective than they used to be. So, yeah, yeah. you have your cost of install, but um, would I recommend it? Well, we're using it. So, mm. yeah, I think we'll We will it, get better at using it too. Yeah, we'll give a greater sort of in-depth analysis probably in another four to five months. Uh, circle hooks versus straight hooks from Regan. Aaron, what do you use? Oh, I've always been – I'm going to go against what I've said over the years – which it pain, it's painful for me to say is because I've always been a circle man on snapper. Uh, always. And I fish a lot, a lot of shallower water. Not a lot. I do fish a lot of shallower water. Lately, I don't know what's going on, but they're not having the hookup rate that I want in the deeper water. You're so right. shallower water is working great. Now, this is might be a run I'm on at the moment, and it happened to me last year too at the end of the season when I was fishing 20-metre water off Mount Martha and that. I was dropping a lot of fish, which I don't like dropping fish. You saw a fish, so yeah. a couple of fish I dropped. For me, you go to all the hard work to get this fish and to lose it, it's bloody heartbreaking because that's what you're there for and it's work for me and your passion goes into it. So I'm a circle hook person. Let me work this out in a little bit more over the next few weeks of snapper season about this deeper water theory that I'm going through at the moment. It could be me coming back and saying it was just a little thing that I went through, but I'm going to go with try straight hooks in the slightly deeper water, but if you're fishing that tens, go circles. If you plan to release the fish, Pat, run circles because they do work better. They don't get in the throat of the fish ever. They 90% of the time in the corner of the jaw. So it's that's why you run circles if you plan to release fish. So I would definitely, deeper water at the moment, I'm going to go the Gamagatsu 6.0 octopus straights. And then you've got uh, inline as well. I like the inline, the better hookup rate too. And then the circles, I'm going to go 6 0 again in the circles. That's the social club. We take your questions from social media. If you want to connect with Aaron or I, make sure you send us a message on our Instagram or Facebook, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Time for gearing up for Dometic. One ice box, hundreds of stores. Sean Clancy joins us from BLA. Morning, Sean. How are you, Pat? We're going well. Now, this morning, we're talking downriggers and how they can add not only to your boat, but improve your fishing. Yeah, I think downriggers is one thing that, in, as history shows, it sort of came into Australia with trout guys um, in the deeper lakes and things like that. But it certainly evolved into the salt water these days and uh, guys are using it for, for several applications and um, and getting some really good success. But I think it's still a real unknown weapon when other techniques aren't working. One of the things that uh, excites fishermen no end, particularly in the southern waters, is the kingfish run as this water starts to warm up. And one of the challenges, certainly for those um, fishing at the end of Port Phillip Bay, as that current starts to really ride hard is keeping everything down deep this can really aid that as well yeah it definitely can and you know in the in the rip and and some really tough challenging currents and things like that it is very difficult to get either your live bait or your lure 
down to where the fish might be. And then if you do use big lead sinkers, the fight's not really very exciting because you've sort of got that big weighted sinker sort of between you and the fish. So obviously a downrigger enables you to get that live bait or that lure down um, to where the fish are. Fish strikes, pulls the line out of the little pinch clip, which is sort of just like a rubberized peg, if you like. And you get to fight the fish without any weight on there. So essentially just line it straight to the fish and it's on. So, yeah, definitely uh, an effective way to, to do it. And a lot of guys, you know, slow troll squid and things like that for different species. Um, some guys are using it. You know, Western Port Bay, you can you can use it to even put dead baits down um, for gummies and things like that, again, in those high current areas. Even their burly cage? Yeah, it's something I actually use mine for the most is getting the burly pot down, even when I'm not using it as a, a its traditional method. It's just a really effective way to get a burly pot straight down under the boat. And if you do hook that bigger fish, um, it's quite easy to just retract that back up and get that burly pot out of the way. What products and models as such do uh, does BLA have on offer, Sean? And it is Red's review today, so we need to throw in a bit of a price range there too because downriggers, they are, I think they're essential for fishing. So throw us some items. Yeah, so um, we do Canon downriggers, which are a US-built product. Um, it'd be the leading downrigger brand on the market. Um, they're actually not that expensive. You know, you can get into them from $300 um, right through to our electronic ones that um, that will hook up to hummingbirds, for instance. You can cycle through different depths and do all sorts of cool things. They're sort of up $4,800. but. Yep. Probably the ones that um, we sell the most of, the Easy Troll version is about $600 and the Uni Troll 10, which has a telescopic boom and things like that, um, is about $900. So it's actually quite an, an affordable thing to do. Um, the extendable boom ones, you can actually use those as a little mini outrigger too, so it can serve a purpose for that too. Um, some of the other guys use downriggers to um, put out a... Uh, teaser out on the downrigger and it's just another effective way to get that teaser back in or vary the distance that you want that teaser to come um, in you know close to the boat or further out you can vary that teaser distance quite effectively with a downrigger you just obviously take the lead bomb off put the teaser on and let it out just another thing before pat um, gets into it is safety as well is when you're fighting a kingfish pat and if you are and not, not using a downrigger and you've got that 10-ounce sinker that you are slow trawling with, when you actually bring the kingfish in and they're flicking around and you're trying to net the kingfish, it actually throws the sinker around a hell of a lot too. And it can actually hurt. A 10-ounce sinker hitting you in the head is actually <laughs> that worse. That would hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's worse than a sinker. So it actually is a fair bit safer to run the downrigger because like Sean said, the clip releases and you're just one-on-one with a fish and you don't have that big sinker flicking around potentially knocking you in the in the scone. <laughs> Sean, there's uh, multiple ways that you can mount your downrigger to your boat, but one that I really like is the, the gimbal mount that you offer because it, yep. it enables you to, to move it from one side to the other, um, but also when you're changing tact and you're changing the fish species that you're, you're fishing for, if you don't need it, you can just put it at the front of the boat. That's obviously an important part of, of having a downrigger. It's, it's not built for every application of fishing, so it's when you can remove it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point, and, and a lot of guys 
um, do take advantage of the, the gimbal bracket. It's probably something in the US. You see some of the great lakes fishermen and some of the saltwater guys over there. They might have four downriggers on their boat, but it's very common in Australia that you'll just have one. Maybe the really keen guys would run two. But yeah, the ability to just take it out of a rod holder and, and move it somewhere else, put it up in the cabin or somewhere when you're not using it. Yeah, that's a that's a big plus. And we do sell a lot of those um, gimbal mounts for that reason. I'll have two. <laughs> if, you, if you want more information uh, on uh, the Canon downriggers, you can head to BLA's website, bla.com.au. We're going to have a Sean on every few weeks, and he'll talk through all different products uh, that BLA have on offer. Sean, thanks for your time on Real Adventures this morning. Good on you guys, and um, keep some of those whiting for us lesser light, if you don't mind. <laughs> I will. That was gearing up for Dometic, one icebox, hundreds of stores. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We're on the home stretch now. It's time for Red's Tip. Red's Tip this week, and I just got notified of the gaff, and Pat's put me in a bit of an angry mood at the moment, so we're looking forward to this one. But Red's Tip this week is coming. It's a snapper show today, so it's going to be on when I actually like to fish for snapper. Uh, it's not for too long, so northerly wind, traditionally... Warmer days, stable weather, barometer stable or coming down with that north-northeasterly, usually. I like to fish the lead-up to hot days. So say, for example, it's Saturday today. Say Tuesday, it's going to be hot Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I like to fish the lead-up to those hot days. You traditionally have a southwesterly in the afternoon, southwest wind, which means the barometer is going to be coming up with the southwest wind. Southwest wind. A bit of a tongue twister. Southwest wind. So I like to fish those southwest southwest winds for consistency in my captures. Now, this is something I stick to religiously. It's something I do every single time is southwest wind. I stay away from the north to northeast. Don't get me wrong. You'll go out there and on the northeast, you've still got a good chance of catching fish. I've rec- recorded all my stuff for a long period of time now, and I've even got Craig, who owns Soul Guide with me, he lives at the top end of the bay, and he always goes out on a light northerly. The reason I say this is because he lives in Bo Morris. Northerly wind is offshore there. It's quite calm and it's nice for him to go out. Whereas southwest wind is actually 10 knots of that, can actually be quite rougher, rough up that top end of the bay, which he wants to enjoy his time out there. But he doesn't catch anywhere near his fish. And finally this year, he's actually listened to me. He's gone out and targeted those southwest winds and that's been his best success. So if you actually stick to it, you're going to probably do yourself a favour and catch more fish. But if you do want to go out on a nice northerly morning, don't be afraid to do so because you do have chances of getting fish. I'm just talking about getting that extra consistency in your captures. And that's Red's tip for the week. Now it's time for Patrick's flying gaff. Well, the flying gaff this week, and I've been using the gaff a bit lately and I haven't always been totally accurate with it. But <laughs> I'm not sure if you've, good. Been, if you've been getting these, but I've oh. been getting these delivery messages all the time. Kari's doing a lot of shopping. Well, my wife must have been doing a huge amount of shopping. The post office must absolutely hate us because every single day I've got a new delivery. Every day, every fourth hour of the day is a new delivery coming to my house. And and I didn't realise, I thought I've gone on some website, and I'm not talking X-rated websites, I've gone on some website <laughs> or I've downloaded some sort of... Uh, you know, program that has then encrypted my phone and just given my number to, to all these different delivery departments. And then I've found out, as I've sort of vented my frustration, that everyone 
is getting these messages from these from these companies that we don't know what they where they're coming from. Seven seven thirty four a.m. this morning. Your delivery plus at is pending. Confirm <laughs> delivery here. Dot dot hash seven one hash https slash alum dot on. Don't go to that website. <laughs> If I can, if anyone is getting these and clicking on them, please don't. As Daniel, give my best mate, it's just short and sharp, got one about his Australian post being delivered and he clicked the link and like, I don't know why, because I've been, been whinging about this and he goes, oh, you've got to pay $3 to be able to pick up your delivery. He's like, why do I have to pay to pick up my delivery? Come on, man. I said to him, are you serious? He nearly got him. Whoever you are, whatever you're doing. We're going to get all Liam Nielsen on your ass and we're going to come and find you because we've had enough of these goddamn messages. Oh, let's go fishing, Patrick. Time to go fishing. Thanks for your company this morning. We'll see you next week on Real Adventures. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.